0: Friends, I love the conversation I get to share with you today. Today, we're talking about how to best care for your loved ones during hard times. To walk us through this, I invited my new friends, Christy Knudsen and Jane Butler onto the show. Christy is a healthcare strategist and entrepreneur, and after a series of early losses in her life, she is working to improve the end-of-life experience with a deep belief to be a better way. Jane is a creative professional and entrepreneur, and when Jane's fiance, now husband, was diagnosed with brain cancer at the young age of 24, they quickly learned the value of grief support and care in their healing. Today, as business partners, they co-founded an amazing company called Near to help change the way that we offer care and support during difficult times. In this episode, they're answering hard questions that so many of us face during our lives. Questions like, what happens when someone I love receives a diagnosis? Or how do I support a friend or family member who's going through something hard? Or what do I say or not say to someone who's experiencing grief? And when do I start thinking about end-of-life planning, whether it's for my parents or for myself, and how do I even approach that conversation? And does it have to be so depressing? Ah, and the list goes on. Friends, these are heavy things to talk about, but I know that we will all be better friends and better caretakers and better equipped as people who go through hard things in our lives because of it. Friends, I'm excited about this episode because I know that so many women in our community are dealing with grief or a loss or really, really hard diagnoses, either for yourself or for people you love. Um, I know a lot of the women in our community are responsible for taking care of people in their lives family members, parents, aunts, uncles, siblings. And that's a really hard position to be in. Um, And so no matter what you're going through today, I pray that this episode helps you feel seen and supported. We're in your corner. Bye. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. All right, friends. I'm so excited for who you get to meet today. I'm sitting here with my new friends, Jane Butler and Chris, Christy Knudsen. Um, and I am just, I'm really excited for the topic that we have today. So before we get into it, though, Jane and Christy, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. For, thanks for having us. Um, can you tell us uh, who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? Maybe Christy, let's have you go first.
2: Okay, sure. So I'm Christy Knutson. I'm the co-founder of NIR, partners with Jane. And my fun fact is that whenever things are really hard, like in life or in work, they're really stressful, I like to kind of daydream about this dream job that I have, which is to be the person at a cat show who like shows the cats. So... Little known fact, there are cat shows just like dog shows, except for they're set up a little bit differently. And so there's a person who gets the cats out of the cages, holds them up, and just goes on and on about all the details of these cats. And to me, that just feels like the ultimate and fun and low key and like, you know, not to say it's not important, but it is a far lighter job than what it is that we do. <laughs> so sometimes I just daydream about that. and now that TikTok has taken to the cat shows, now I can watch these people do their jobs on TikTok, which is really satisfying.
0: <laughs> that is everything I was didn't even know to hope for. that is absolutely that is amazing. Um this is like might blow your mind a little bit here. My family growing up took cats to cat shows. Shut up. No, I (laughs) wish, honestly, this wasn't my thing. This was my sister and my mom. And I kind of wish I was kidding. It is true. They, somehow, uh, my sister really wanted, oh, I think we wanted a bunny. And my parents were like, absolutely not. Maybe we can get another cat. We had sort of, you know, an adopted cat that we'd had for a million years. And they're like, maybe we can get another cat. My mom somehow ended up getting this like fancy cat that they did take, take to cat shows. So I have some context for what you're talking about. And
2: I love that that's your dream. That is amazing. Well, you're making my dreams come true because you're the first person I've ever met outside of an actual cat show, like in my like personal life, who has had a cat in a cat show. So it's kind of a fun. <laughs> This is not where I thought this conversation
0: was going to go today. Um, and I, for listen, I'm meeting you here. I need to reinforce the fact that this was my mom and my sister's thing. This was not my thing. <laughs> no shame in that game, Stephanie. No shame. Okay,
1: um, Jane, let's go with you. I'm excited here. Oh my goodness. I mean, yeah, Christy set the bar really, really high for what I'm about to say and introduce. But um, I'm Jane Butler. I'm the co-founder of Near, business partners with Christy. Um, I live in New York City um, with my three kiddos and my husband. And I was, I mean, my fun fact was just going to be that I actually went to school for musical theater when I was first um, considering careers, which at this point in my life seems like decades and decades ago, Um, but definitely have a huge musical theater side with some of my favorite uh, characters that I get to now see on Broadway. So it hits, hits close to home. What is your, what's your favorite musical? Oh, tough. I really love Wicked, um, but you have to see it to like fully appreciate, I think, the storyline. And then my probably second best one is My Fair Lady.
0: Big My Fair Lady fan. Big My Fair Lady Lady fan (laughs) ever here. I love it. I love it. Um, Okay. Well, so now that we're all friends, perfect. Really glad. Um, You guys, uh, let's see. Well, I'll I'll tell you a little bit more in a minute of why I wanted to talk about this today. Um, But I want to hear more about Near. It's this online platform. Tell us about it. Like, why did you guys found it? What is it? Um, Give us kind of the backstory of it.
1: Yeah, I can go first um, with a lot of why we do now um, comes from personal story and about Almost ten years ago, which I feel like I have to kind of update my own story as the years go on. Um, my husband was diagnosed with a quickly expanding brain tumor. um and we were twenty four days out from getting married. And so it was quite the um reaction, like just it was quite the story, right? Like we're about to get married, and then this um, tragedy kind of comes in, and we are just in shock of what's happening. And I'll condense the story a little bit so that it doesn't. it's like a podcast in itself. So like rewind it and do like a thirty second clip. Um, he went through his first surgery, and it was um, successful, and we were able to actually not have to do treatment, which was great. And we did get married um, on the right, on the day that we planned, which again, I, I look back at our pictures and I'm like, it's still so much about a celebration of life, even more than love. Like the fact that he was there was um, the gift, the best gift to me. And then fast forward eight years, you know, moved a bunch of times, established our careers, had three kids. And last August, he was diagnosed again with the tumor growing back. And I remember calling Christy. Um, We had been business partners um, with our agency for a while. And I remember saying, like, again, like, is this actually happening? Like I thought we had our brain tumor story, I thought that was it. And I was going through a lot of just kind of the shock and fear and just like overwhelm that comes with a, a diagnosis like this. And he was able to go through his second surgery um, successfully again, which I say that very gratefully and humbly. I know that that not everyone has that outcome. And so our days are still very fragile, as everyone's are. And um, I remember calling Christy in his recovery saying there's got to be a better way for us to care and support during these times. And our wheels started turning. And that was kind of like one of the pivot points to establishing um, a platform that does just that.
2: Christy, what about you? Yeah, so for me, um, I've always been interested in healthcare and just kind of naturally. But then when I was 10, I became a primary caregiver for my grandmother who was living with Alzheimer's. And from the time I was 10 to 22, I just had a number of um, serious illnesses and deaths in my close family. I was raised as an only child, but our extended family was incredibly close. And so, um, you know, starting at 10, again, caregiver for my grandmother. She passed away when I was 16. And I had a first cousin, Teresa. We were both only children. Um, she was older than I was, but she was like an older sister to me. We were best friends. You know, she was my person. And, um, right as soon as our, Grandmother, um, right before our grandmother passed away, her mom, my aunt, was diagnosed with cancer, and I walked through that experience with her and my aunt for a number of years, and then she passed away. And within a year of her passing away, Teresa was diagnosed with cancer, and Teresa was um, Teresa's illness was about four years, kind of from point of diagnosis, and then she passed away when I was twenty-two, and so that was, you know, for me, an incredibly pivotal, tragic. Um, very, very difficult loss. And so that really, I always knew that I wanted to go into healthcare before that. But for me, that was made it even more evident that that was what I was supposed to be working on. You know, essentially it's my life's work, right? Working within the terminal illness, serious illness and grief and loss space. And so she's with me in my work and it's incredible, but, um, you know, it all really stemmed from a really painful experience. Thank you guys for sharing
0: that. I wish I could give you each a hug. <laughs> That's like the worst part about doing this um, virtually. Tell me about NEAR. What is it? And like, so uh, Jane, you called Christy and were like, there should be something like this. Tell us what it is. And and also I'd love to hear kind of what the process has
1: been like of starting
0: this thing. Yeah, I
1: can explain what NEAR is. And, and I think also just, prefacing this with like telling stories is actually really good for people that experience them to the people that haven't experienced them. I think there's a lot of like beautiful like healing and retelling and um opportunity to just invite you in because I, you know, in today's world, we don't talk about hard things, and yet there's an opportunity to be like, it's okay. like if you're having a hard time, like you can talk about it. and and so I preface all of from what our story has come from is that um we're very the, we like jump into the deep end because that's where people need it most. So, um, near is like a similar to like a wedding and a baby registry, where there's always all of these like logistics and gifts and comfort items and things you can do to be proactive. We're uh, you're, you know we're applying that towards terminal illness and loss. So, if somebody's diagnosed, um, typically that involves on the healthcare side of things a lot of appointments, um, logistics, care items, comfort items, things that you need that. You don't want to have to either purchase on your own or people want to help and they want to do it for you. You can create a list, say, I need all of these things or I need you to do all these things. And so we facilitate that. We organize it and make it easier for your community to say, I can do that. I'll take care of that. I got that. Um, and then that is able to kind of alleviate um, or like elevate some of the, the needs in front of your community. And then we also have the law side of things where at the end of life, there are just so many logistics that. We don't either know about or we don't talk about, and again, it kind of it can step in and be the um, support that you need during that time too. Instead of just having meals and money, which are extremely helpful, um, it actually puts those to a little more action and, and actually gets gets you moving to accomplish some of the things that you need to do that are um, necessary during those times. Mm-hmm. I have so many follow up questions. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, like, yeah. So let's pause for a second. Tell me. Sure. Um, I feel like I can picture, well, give me a couple examples of like someone's diagnosed, um, some of the things that you can like have people sign up for or um, some of those care items. Because yeah, I I know what goes on a wedding registry. I know it goes on a baby registry, although that was hard. I remember being like, what is this stuff? Like, I, I don't <laughs> know what any of this stuff is. I, do I need all of it? Um, so, but the, both of those things were hard um, or but, but I, I can picture what those registries
1: look like. Yeah. What are some of the things that are needed? That are needed. Yeah. No, that's a great question. So okay. if I can like apply it to my story, which I feel like I'm going to be able to connect with the most since I lived it. Um, when Andrew was diagnosed that second time, you know, I wasn't just planning a wedding, which I had my own wedding, you know, schedule and everything on that. Being diagnosed the second time, I'm a mom of three, right? I live in New York City, he has his work like, and there's all these people that want to help. And it's amazing, but it's it's like, I don't know how to facilitate that. And so my one of my dearest friends basically said, had sent everyone to me and she got her spreadsheets out and she was organizing like, this person's going to go there and pick up the kids from soccer. Because I think one of the best things about during a hard time, not best, but one of the most effective things during a hard time is that you try to keep some things normal, especially for kiddos who everything else has already been um, they can feel the change in the air in many ways. There's something wrong. Things are different now. To try to still apply what their normal schedule would look like. So, my son at soccer a few times a week. Like somebody would need to do that while I was taking Andrew to the hospital, or I would need transportation, or I would need um, someone to help clean my house because there's been people in and out. Like it, there's a variety of really practical ways that um, if you just like saw it in a list, people would say, "I can do that. I can come." and empty the dishwasher, or I can come provide breakfast that morning, or I can watch the girls while you're at the appointment. And there's there's a variety of things that we can do and, and actually use other people's giftings if we were just to able to clearly say, have somebody say, okay, this is what they need and when. Um, and then as for gifts, on a lot of the terminal illness side of things, and Christy can talk into this too, there's some really practical things that people need, whether it's certain pillows or healing products or self-care items that as friends who are creating the registry can add because they would know you best. And so there's a lot of opportunity to just um, come around the family or the person in need um, and have somebody lead that in a way that knows them and that can care for them really intentionally versus just saying, well, here's $100 um, and I'll pray for you. And I saying the prayer is not important. It is important. It's necessary and we can do a better job in caring intentionally and knowing people well.
0: I love this because I think that we when someone's going through something anything you go what can I do? Right. Because you don't want to like insert yourself into the moment. You don't want to be you don't want to be a burden, but even asking that question is like a little bit of a burden because um it puts the ownership on the person who's going through the thing to then organize the team you know and and the last thing you have any energy for is organizing adults we um i became a mom like almost exactly 3 years ago to twins and it was like right in the height of covid and it was just absolutely the most overwhelming like year of my life basically um, and we had so much help and it was so great. We had our family who all like quarantined like crazy and basically lived with us. And I mean, it was it was awesome. But um, trying to figure out like, is my sister-in-law going to do the dishes? Is my brother-in-law on like washing bottle duty? Is my, you know, like organizing all these adults when I was trying to keep myself and these tiny babies alive was just a lot. And so um, anytime... Um, my mother-in-law kind of ran point, which was really great. Um, except for when she wasn't there. Then it was like, who is in charge here? <laughs> me? Um, so I, I love that. And I love the real, really personal, I don't know, having having those care items where you're like, I know that this is the pillow this person likes, you know, and having a good pillow doesn't fix everything, but it helps a little. And that's, that's good. Um, Christy, tell me more about on the end, like end-of-life, terminal illness kind of thing. Um, Jane, I know you said that there are things that we don't even know that we need or need to do. What does NEAR help us do for, for that? Mm-hmm.
2: So I can give, I can just give like a concrete example, almost like a case study, and we can kind of walk through that so you can see what it looks like And. Um, you know, in, in a very specific example. So let's say we have, um, let's say we have a couple and they have children and the husband was diagnosed with, um, received a diagnosis and knew that he was toward the end of life. Let's say, you know, maybe he had a few months to live with his prognosis. And so in that case, the family, like Jane said, would identify a care coordinator. So in Jane's situation, it was one of her really good friends. It could be an adult sibling. It could be a friend, you know, someone in a faith community. Um, and so you identify a care coordinator, and they are typically the ones who set up the care registry. The care registry can be set up by the patient or the family themselves, but usually that's too overwhelming. There's too much going out. So the, the care coordinator sets up the registry, and there's two main areas of the registry. One is tasks. And the other is products. So on the tasks end, that's where they would work with the family and figure out to Jane's point, you know, who needs to be picked up when. Um, do the what the flowers needed to be watered, right? Is there transportation issues back and forth um, to doctor's appointments? You know, we need somebody to set up a hospital bed um, in the downstairs, for example. So that's where you add all those tasks in. That way you can share the, the registry and people can sign up for very specific things. And then on the product side, it can be anything from comfort items to very helpful um, medical supplies. So oftentimes, and a lot of things are covered by insurance, but as we all know, a lot of things are not covered by insurance, especially when it comes to the comfort end of things. And right now, you know, the problem with, with not having a solution like this is that families right now are left to just kind of receive what they receive. And of course they're grateful, but in some ways that can become an added burden because if you're receiving 10 of the same thing um, from very well-meaning people, then you've got to figure out what to do with it. And you've got kind of the emotional mental guilt of, well, do I need to make sure I'm using it? You know, all of that, all the logistics. And so this really streamlines the process So that you're not getting duplicates of everything, but also that you can ask for what you need. Because when somebody texts you, let's say a friend from church texts and says, Hey, you know, I really want to send something that will be helpful. What would that be? we don't know oftentimes what budget they have in mind. And so, of course, we err on the side of asking for something really small, maybe financially, because we don't want to be a burden, but maybe this person has the resources where they really would like to to buy you, you know, a $300 Vitamix blender so that you can make the exact kind of smoothie that your stomach can tolerate right now, right? And so we just, again, it's empowering people to give in the best way possible, primarily for the family and for the patient, but also for the person who's giving. Um, so yeah, so you can set up a care registry at that and then go from there. And to your point about what things people may need that they don't know, that's what that's where it's really helpful to have a registry to choose from so that the care coordinator isn't just having to think of all these things, they're able to kind of shop and then add things from our recommend- recommendation list onto the registry. So for example, if someone's having a mastectomy they may not know that there are pillows to help with um, lymph node removal. That there are seatbelt protectors. That there are specially made pillows to hold ice packs that are shaped, so you're not having to finagle and make all these things work that were created for that purpose.
0: <laughs> do people cry a lot when you guys talk about your work?
1: I like feel like <laughs> they must. I just yeah. and so do we. Like we yeah. can we can talk about it because we know we're t- like it is. It is so from our hearts to build this. And we've also been able to, we've cried a lot on our own Zoom calls. So I feel like we it is a, it is a safe place to just connect with a lot of the pain that goes on and to say like, we, we cannot remove the pain, but we can certainly care for it. And so how can we do that? And I feel like that's kind of where we're like, we've got to do something to connect the pieces.
0: I love it. I feel like I'm like not even crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm so grateful that this exists like the one of the um there is that like deep need when something is happening for people at all distances from the the incident or the illness um mm. where people are all grieving, and there's like the the waves of grief are, or the ripples of grief are, can be so wide, and you you really don't like as a third cousin or something, you don't want to insert yourself into this. Like you, you just don't want to be a burden. You don't want to make anything worse, but you really genuinely want to help. And so having a way that is helpful, having one link, like to be able to, to send out to anyone who wants to help. Um, I just, this is such a service, not only for the people who receive the diagnosis and their immediate caregivers, but like for everyone who's even Um, tangentially affected by this, Mm -hmm. by this. We, um, I live in Nashville and uh, we had a school shooting earlier this year, um, Mm -hmm. which don't even, I can't, I'm just going to leave that there. I have so many (laughs) feelings about the fact that that's something that so many of us have experienced. But um, watching our community come together was Mm -hmm. so beautiful. And I was so thankful for, just a handful of individuals who either you know were parents at the school or were best friends of parents at the school who gave some really practical ways to help um and so the whole community the whole world you know anyone who wanted to was able to donate to you know providing therapy for the parents mm-hmm. of every kid that that um goes to the school and you know like just all these different um, someone made Easter baskets for every single family there, you know, um, I think people are still doing their laundry and, you know, it's been six months or so. Like I just, um, but I know that people had to coordinate that in all kinds of different ways to have some really centralized ways of saying, Hey, this is what we need in, in the midst of this, because so many people want to help and that's, and that's amazing, but also can be really overwhelming. So I just, I'm just over, just overwhelmed by it. How much I love this. Um, <laughs> tell me what it's been like to make it, because that's uh, making a building a company is hard, <laughs> and,
2: and there's so much that goes into it. So what does that process look like for you guys? So it's been a wild ride, um, of course, it, as it is with any kind of a startup or a company. And to give a little bit of background, Jane and I have been working together for a number of years. We had um, a marketing agency, marketing and creative agency for many years before this. And, you know, we're, we're partners. So it really helped in that our relationship our partnership was already really solid going into this and i'm especially grateful for because we knew that it would be we knew that it would be difficult but it's really hard to prepare yourself for how difficult it can be sometimes especially when you're building something that is so closely tied to you know, personal experience. Um, this is not something that is separate from us, or from our lives, or from our hearts in any way. It's something that's deeply personal, and so you know, it raises the bar, um, kind of on what that means to carry it out every day. And so, really, it's been it's been an interesting experience. We've experimented with different models over a few years in terms of thinking about okay, we know that we have a set of problems, we have a set of gaps. From the point of diagnosis to after death care, we know that in our in our culture, in the healthcare, in you know society, um, there are all these gaps in care. And how do we figure out you know how to um, build solutions to fill in some of those gaps? And so this is that's really what birthed the care directory. And I mean, sorry, the care registry. And we also have a care directory, which to your point earlier about not really even knowing what what is out there. You know, this is one of those things that we only, each of us will only ever experience a certain number of deaths in our life. Oftentimes they happen later in life, not always, but oftentimes later in life. And so when you're, especially if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and you're dealing with um, an ill loved one, You don't know what's, you don't know what to even ask. And so, you know, you can't really learn how to quote do this well until you've done it. And at that point, you know, maybe you've missed a lot of opportunities for connection and for care along the way. So that's part of the reason why we added the care directory as well, because just being in this field, when we had the marketing agency, we worked with a number of other startups in the end-of-life space, mental health space, healthcare space. And through those, we were exposed to all these companies, all these founders who have built really beautiful solutions to incredibly niche problems that again, it's not widespread. People don't talk about it. You don't want to talk about it unless you have to talk about it, oftentimes. And so you get yourself in a position, you know, you find yourself in a position and then you don't know what what's out there. So the Care Directory is to help. Match people with services that they otherwise wouldn't know about, because and it's not just it's not just really uber serious services. Yes, you need to have an, a will. Yes, you need someone to help you with your end of life planning. You know, and also you there's an invitation to work on legacy projects, and that's something that you don't have to wait for a diagnosis to get started with. And again, beautiful companies, beautiful founders who have built incredible ways for you to share your life story through video, through writing, writing letters now to leave behind for the people you love. And, um, and we just appreciate any chance to expose people to what's out there. I love that.